You are now listening to Asking for a Friend with Talk Doc, sharing insights through real, honest, and practical ways to improve your communication and relationships. Featuring your hosts, Dr. Pamela Kreiser, Meredith Edwards Nagel, and Taylor Polendo. We used to live in the Midwest. Many years ago, we bought a house that had weeds in the backyard that were six feet tall, tire tracks in the front yard, and nearly everything on the inside needed to be replaced. It was the worst house on the block. It had been a rental for over a decade, and the renters were very tough on the property. We bought it knowing we were in for a project, and we were excited to give the house new life. The house was located in one of those neighborhoods where there were specific rules. Everyone had to follow them. And this included getting your neighbors to sign off on any kind of changes you were making to your house. We started with the front yard. There were lots of dead plants, a broken sprinkler system, and paint peeling everywhere. We had neighbors on each side, and they would have to sign off on the improvements. And I volunteered to get their signatures. It wasn't a very big deal, right? How hard was it going to be to get them to sign off? It wasn't like I was asking for their approval. And so our first step was to start with the neighbor on the right side. And so I decided to take a string and draw the the property line in place to kind of figure out where the property line extended from the fence. And just as I was doing that, our neighbor came out and said, so we're really going to look for the exact property line? Well, I wasn't sure how to answer. I said, well, yeah, I'm just trying to figure out what is our property and what's yours. And he said, really? Does that seem to be necessary? And I mentioned to him that we were going to paint the house and do the yard. And so I would need him to sign off on acknowledging that that was what we were intending to do. And he said, oh, so you're trying to make me look bad. And I said, no, I'm trying to take care of our exterior because it's chipping and cracking and our yard's a mess. And he said, just so you know, you're never going to trick me into painting my house. I'm not going to do it. Again, I said, we're just trying to paint our home, not trying to do anything with your home or property. So he just sighed and rolled his eyes and eventually signed the form. So next it was time to talk to the neighbor on the left. I approached them, letting them know that we were going to replace the sprinkler system and paint the house. And they seemed kind of agitated and said, sure, I'll replace our sprinkler system since you're forcing us. And I cut right in and said, wait, hang on, I'm not forcing you. I'm just asking you to sign a form stating that you know we're doing this work. And they said, sure, give me the form, give me the name of your landscaper, and I, I guess we'll have to just do it. And I said, again, you don't have to do that. But they said, well, we know we don't have to, but we really have no choice. And they signed the papers and hand them back to me. As you can see, these neighbors had very different reactions to our attempt to clean up our yard and paint our house. Both of these neighbors believed these improvements somehow implied something about them. For the neighbor on the left, it was implying that he wasn't taking care of his property. And for the neighbor on the right, they felt that it meant that they needed to improve their yard. But our motivation wasn't to do either of these things. We're simply trying to take responsibility for what belonged to us. But we sure got some twisted reactions. Let's think about those reactions more closely. My husband and I started with creating a literal boundary line with a string in order to understand the dimensions of our yard. Then we made a plan, and then we were planning to take responsibility for it. Now, this story shows you how twisted the world of boundaries can be for those who don't understand them. So what's a boundary? Well, some would say it's a dividing line, and others would say it's a line that marks the limits of an area or an area of activity. There are lots of physical boundaries in our world. Think about it. We put up fences to boundary our yards. 
We observe painted lines on the highway to stay in our driving lanes. We follow speed limits and we observe deadlines at work. Boundaries are everywhere. We also have social boundaries. They place limits and goals in place. We tell people yes to things and we also tell them no to things. But sometimes other people make it hard to lay down these boundaries. Sometimes people give us reactions like my former neighbors. They question our boundary making. They imply negative motives. So instead of seeing the creation of a boundary as something to take responsibility, they twist it into a reflection of the work that they have personally failed to do. And that thinking is backward. Now, there are many articles and books on the topic of boundaries and multiple books by Cloud and Townsend who have identified boundaries in relationships, boundaries in work, boundaries in dating, boundaries with children. Cloud says, boundaries are basically about providing structure. And structure is essential in building anything that thrives. According to Cloud, boundaries define us. They define what is me and what is not me. A boundary shows me where I end and someone else begins, leading me to a sense of ownership. And knowing what I am to own and take responsibility for gives me freedom. Now let's think of some potential boundary violations. Entering a property or a vehicle without permission. Touching someone who didn't want to be touched. Standing too close to someone. Opening someone's mail or text messages or emails. Using something without asking. Using someone's time irresponsibly. Speaking for someone or talking over someone. A boundary is a limit and it determines what's acceptable to happen and what's not acceptable. Now, unfortunately, many of us struggle with boundaries. So let's get some clarity about what boundaries are not and think about the four myths of boundaries. Now, the first myth to talk about is that boundaries are for controlling other people. But when you and I put a boundary in place, we do it to understand where my responsibility begins and yours ends. Think about my yard. It's not about controlling people. It's about defining the property line in order to determine what I need to take care of. It's not about criticizing and it's not about telling people what they should do. It's about understanding the parameters of what I need to do. Think about if you decided to start eating on a restricted diet and you decided to determine some foods on the eat list and the don't eat list. You aren't creating these boundaries to control other people. You're actually creating them to improve your body. So you're taking responsibility for you. Now, everyone else is free to eat whatever they want to eat. This boundary is not about controlling what other people eat. It's about controlling what you eat. The second myth is that boundaries are rude or mean. Now, sometimes people mix up the underlying purpose for a boundary. I don't set a boundary because I'm trying to punish anyone. I set a boundary so that others know what behaviors work for me and what don't. It's actually a way to communicate my needs and goals to other people. And the truth is we can't control how people think or what they do. My communication of a boundary is to state my needs. Say, for example, you set a boundary at work and you notice that you get more done when you're uninterrupted. So you could set a boundary that no one come in your office for any reason from 8 to 11 in the morning. You aren't creating that boundary to be mean or rude to the other people. You're actually creating that boundary to improve your own productivity. Boundaries protect us from hurt, both of us. As Gaskin once said, you teach people how to treat you by what you allow, stop, and reinforce. The third myth is that boundaries hurt our relationships and keep people out of our lives. 
Now, of course, sometimes we do create boundaries to reduce relationship contact, but boundaries are largely used to manage existing relationships. So I get that we have to sometimes keep people out of our lives, but this podcast is about building relationships we care about. So when we're talking about boundaries in this episode, we're talking about boundaries to help people stay in our lives, not leave our lives. So when I create a boundary, I do it so that we can have a relationship. Think about a roommate. You create a boundary around the food you purchase. You determine a place where you're going to store your groceries, and you make it clear to your roommates that this is not food for them. You don't create this boundary because you're trying to hurt them or to keep them out of your lives. You're creating the boundary so that you can keep them in your lives and have a productive relationship. According to Earnshaw, when we set boundaries, it's an attempt to continue a relationship with you, not an attempt to hurt you. The fourth myth is that boundaries have to be justified to others. Now, previous podcasts, you've heard me talk about individuals who feel they need to justify their boundaries. The truth is you don't. As someone once said, boundaries are not up for discussion. Meaning, I am not going to figure out my boundaries in this conversation and only set boundaries if you approve them. We need to do our own work to explore what we want and then communicate the boundaries to others. But we're not looking for them to tell us whether they're right or wrong. We don't have to justify them. We simply have to do the work to understand what boundaries we want to put in place so that we can move forward in a relationship. So here's what boundaries are. They're about taking responsibility. They're about showing respect and maintaining relationships. They're for letting people into our lives in a productive way, not out. And they're not up for discussion. Okay, so I like your sprinkler story because it's like person A, person B. This is how Mm -hmm. I imagine this. Person A is like taking your boundary as a personal attack. Mm -hmm. And person B is like, well, now I have to do something because of Mm -hmm. your boundary. Yes. Two very different reactions. And person A was like, you're not going to get me to do anything. Yeah. Just try. It's sort of like if you dress up and you're going out with a friend, you don't dress up to make your friend look bad. You dressed up because you felt like dressing up. Mm -hmm. And he kept saying that about the paint, saying you're forcing me to paint because it's going to be such a contrast. And I said, you can paint, you can not paint. It doesn't matter to me. Did their houses look bad as well, though? I thought that his house looked particularly. <laughs> no, it did. I mean, I wasn't doing it for that reason, but it did by contrast for sure. But he he let it go for many more years after that. I like your explanation after of certain social boundaries that we do, like speed limits, lines that help me put a visualization to these things like, oh, deadlines at work. Those are boundaries that we accept. Mm-hmm. So what bugs you the most when it's violated? One that's hard for me is when people stand too close. My friends and I went to China and we realized that there was a cultural difference very quickly and that we were not willing to accept their cultural norm. When we were in Disneyland. They wanted to stand and so close until they were touching you. Mm-hmm. And if we left any gap between us and the group in front of us, they'd just walk around you. And so we would take turns being the person at the end of the line trying to block people from going around us or touching us. Interesting. Well, that's interesting because you're the violator in their culture. Yeah, we totally were. And we knew that. And we just refused to let go of our comfortability of a bubble. I think I'm also one who I like to open my own mail and read my own text messages. I don't love it when somebody tries to see what 
message come up on my phone or what is in an envelope. I guess I'm private that way. Hmm. With different people, I have different boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. So most of most of these, my maybe maybe my boundaries are a little bit thin. <laughs> I think the big one for me would be like a touching. Mm-hmm. I remember at an old job I had, it was like, I guess we'll just call it sales, if you will. Giving like a tour to this guy. And I was probably 24 where he like touched my back and I got super stiff and I was edging between like, do I still continue being respectful or do I say, please don't do that? It was very bizarre. I like physically moved and was like, okay, I'll keep walking you this way and asked him to like go in front of me and Israel, oh, you go ahead. I think that's probably gonna be my biggest one Mm -hmm. of the boundary violations is like, I feel like that has to be an invitation. Yeah. So, so maybe we should go through the, the myths and chat about them. Before we jump to the myths, I just wanted to highlight what you said earlier, which is two things that stuck with me. One is that structure is essential in building anything mm-hmm. that thrives. Mm-hmm. I, I hadn't thought about it like that, and I really appreciated that. And the second one was that if I own what I'm responsible for, then it actually gives me more freedom. Mm-hmm. I love the word freedom and what that feels like. So yeah, it was helpful to, to put some language to that in this big topic. Boundaries equals freedom. And it's mm-hmm. not a combination you would think of. So there's too many people saying boundaries, that's going to be restrictive. That's going to be bad for relationships and for people. And the reality is when you and I set a boundary, it allows for freedom to happen. Yeah, I liked yeah. that, the taking responsibility for what's yours. It it seemed to help level out expectations. Boundaries mm-hmm. like help you manage expectations. I like that. Which I thought was such a clear picture with your example. The property line, I mean, besides the fact that it is nice to know what is your property so you don't violate someone else's property. Yeah. But it's just to help you know like what you have to take responsibility for what you're going to care for and you can see with that one neighbor the different perspectives because as we're trying to to make that string show where the property line was he said why are we doing that why do we have to get all involved in that and what was interesting to me was i thought it's also for you so that i don't put like a bush on your property because we were re-landscaping yeah so part of the question was not just was our responsibility but what is for sure not our responsibility Mm-hmm. and not stepping on his freedom to do whatever he wanted with his yard. But I can tell you why he didn't want that line. Why? He didn't want it because boundaryless people don't like those lines. <laughs> because it means then we have to actually have rules. So people who live without rules don't like it when suddenly there's rules now. Because I don't love rules, but I enjoy knowing how to establish my own boundaries and learning someone else's so it can be more respectful to them. Mm-hmm. Taylor is a lover of rules. I would well, say. it depends. It, I follow rules if I respect the rule, but if I think the rule is ridiculous, then it's as if it doesn't exist. So that sounds like a dangerous combination. I don't know. I think <laughs> getting rid of ridiculous is not a bad idea. Yeah. So your three myths. Four. Four myths. Wow. So let's yeah, let's go through them. Myth one is that it's about controlling others. Mm-hmm. And this is very commonly misconstrued by people. Well, and my question is, is it because people are misusing the word boundaries and, and just even having them? Because often, and I feel like I've been guilty of this, is that we can use them as punishment. 
And I see it a lot within family dynamics. You didn't do something I like, so I'm now not coming to your event or I am not speaking to you. I see a lot of family people kind of cut them out for shorter, longer periods of times. And it's this, my relationship is like the only thing I can control and take away from you. So I'm going to take myself away from you as a punishment because you did something I didn't like. Yeah, and I would say that that doesn't appear to be an active boundary. It sounds like a reactive punishment to me, mm -hmm. which I would say is a different thing. So when I'm thinking of boundaries, I'm thinking of existing rules to play by versus a reaction that says, I'm gonna withdraw love or withdraw kindness or take a resource away from you. I don't think it is that, although I agree with you that people do that, for sure they do that. That's maybe where we get into some of the myth where it's this problem that people say, ooh, boundary's bad. Right. Or you're too boundaried for me. And they'll say you're too controlling. But the funny part is it's about controlling what you have responsibility for, your yard, not controlling other people. To think about the myth is to say, I have a boundary around my property so that I can do things outside my property. It's not what we're doing. Yeah. We have a boundary so that we can do things inside our property, which has nothing to do with other people. Can you give me an example of reactive versus an actual boundary that dispels that myth and is really just about determining what someone does? Okay, I can try. So I'll give you an example in our house. I have decided through the pandemic that in order to get the house laundry, because everyone's home, right? So there's a lot of people that need to use the laundry. And so I have decided that Tuesday afternoons, no one can do laundry. And the reason they can't do laundry is I'm not able to get the house laundry done, you know, towels and sheets and different things, because there's always somebody interrupting that. It's not really to control other people. It's to get everyone fresh towels and sheets in the house. You could take it that way. You could say, oh, you're just saying I can't do laundry on Tuesday because you hate me. Hmm. But it isn't why I'm doing it. I'm doing it because I need to be productive so that we end up with fresh towels and sheets. Mm -hmm. Now, you could get mad at me. You could scold me. You could say I'm controlling and all these different things. But it wasn't why I put the boundary up. I put the boundary up to get the laundry done for the household. And should it matter why you have a boundary up? <laughs> uh, you mean like justifying it? Myth number four? No, I know you said you don't need to justify it, but... You're saying, should I have a reason why I... Yeah, like what, what if you don't have a reason for a boundary? No, I think that goes to your point earlier about you don't respect boundaries that are ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So I think if I said you can only do laundry from five to six on Wednesdays, and you could barely get your laundry done in that amount of time, you'd have to question that and say, why so restrictive? What is that about? Right. I think there are ridiculous boundaries in this world, but reasonable ones, I think, make things function better. But does it matter why the person had a boundary up? Like, what if it was a ridiculous boundary? Well, I think there's going to be a fine line there probably on ridiculous or a continuum on ridiculous to not ridiculous. Yeah. And what's ridiculous to somebody isn't ridiculous to somebody else. You know, I think what we could say is not principled. So when you hear the reason behind my doing the laundry on Tuesday afternoons, it is principled. It's just to get, I like to get the house clean all the way clean as opposed to saying, oh, well, I did half the towels. That doesn't really work. You know, I try to get us back to a clean state. That's why I'm doing it. And it's not ridiculous. People don't like it sometimes, though. I hear complaints. But that's not really my problem. <laughs> 
I like that example. So basically myth number one is that people think that boundaries are to control other people around you, but really it's to determine what we do ourselves and what we're in control of in our own self, in our own time, in our own, how we operate basically. Mm -hmm. Okay. That when we have boundaries functioning well, it helps everyone know what to do and not do. It just Mm. is helpful. Yeah. Then myth number two is that boundaries are rude or mean. Mm -hmm. And this is a fun one because I really think the boundaryless person is the person who thinks that, Mm -hmm. that you're just being mean to me by putting out rules. I want to do whatever I want. But if you think about that, that we're talking about people in close relationships with us, should that person be able to do whatever they want in relationship with me? Absolutely not. No. Now, some people you and I meet come with boundaries. They naturally have them. Because I'm boundaried, they're easier for me to work with because they already come with boundaries. I don't have to execute a bunch of boundaries. But if it was somebody who didn't have boundaries or didn't have that place of understanding that structure, then they would react negative to the boundaries that I would put in and maybe perceive them as rude or mean. So the opposite of this myth, the opposite of someone feeling that a boundary is rude or mean is basically being able to articulate your needs, Mm -hmm. which is a struggle Mm -hmm. for a lot of us to actually know what you need and to be able to articulate it to someone you're in positive relationship Mm -hmm. with so that they can respect your need. Yeah. If you fail to articulate it, how are they going to know if they're crossing it or not? Yeah. If the myth is that it's rude or mean, the opposite is it's compassionate and helpful. Yeah. To yourself and the person in your relationship with. Yeah. A good way to think about that is think about physical touch. If you cringe every time that person touches you where they shouldn't be touching you or as frequently as they do or something like that, and you never tell them that, that's mean Mm -hmm. because they don't know that. I mean, maybe they can sense it, but maybe they can't. And you could create years of bitterness in some ways by not expressing something that you know about yourself that you need. Yeah. And and even a real super flip side of this, I would even wrestle with if you articulate your need and someone still tries to challenge that just to be wary of that element in that myth, just like you were saying before, usually the people that say boundaries are rude or mean are the people that are boundary less mm-hmm. or that don't know how to respect you maybe. Right. And it's certainly in that category. It seems like we talk about that a lot in trying to help other people by stating what we need, mm-hmm. which I really like. I think it's a very helpful thing to do for someone. But I do wonder if we really know our needs. Like it would take a lot of self-reflection as to, you know, you can kind of, I sense that in myself sometimes I'll get just tense about something. It would take a lot of self-reflection to analyze like, well, what am I actually responding to? What don't I like about this? to be able to set then a boundary and say, this is what I need from you, or this is what I can't handle from you. And I agree with you that it takes work. And I would say most people have not done the work. So the trading comfort for growth challenge in that arena is actually getting with yourself and deciding what works for you and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. And not just having the turbulence all the time, but actually like doing introspection and thinking about that. Because ultimately, like what you're talking about is this is we're wanting to maintain relationship and heal and grow relationships. So the way to move forward would to not just kind of sit, which I think we often do is just kind of sit and like, oh, it's not that big a deal or 
I'll just get irritated, but I'm, it's not worth having conversation. Like it's not that large of a, I don't know, whatever violation. So you just kind of let things go, but it really does start to stack up mm -hmm. and I think interrupt having healthy communication in your relationships. So let's talk about three. Yes. So myth three is about keeping people out of our lives, not in. So I want to tell a little story here. Okay. So my student Kim got married and she got married and they were in the first month or two of, of living in their apartment. And she came to my office. She was a student and she said, I have a very large boundary problem. It's an emergency. And I said, what is your emergency? And she said, my mother has a key to our apartment. <laughs> oh, no. And she said, I asked for the key back. And she said, you don't love me. Oh. oh. Ouch. So this is an interesting myth that the mom would choose the asking for the key back as a way to keep her out of, of their lives. Now, when Kim went to her and said, I would like you to give me the key back, she said, I want to come over anytime I want. Mm. And she said, that won't work for me and my new husband. And she said, it will have to work because I'm your mother. Mm. Yikes. To which my student came to my office and said, I have a very large emergency. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that she was able to articulate to her mother was, I need to get the key from you and have a boundary so that you can be in our lives. And I'm afraid that if you keep the key and you come whenever you want into our apartment, that we won't have a good relationship going forward. Okay. See, that is the exact element that most people can't break down though. What you just did mm -hmm. to be able to be in that moment and to say what you just said, which is, Oh, actually what's happening. I want to have a relationship with you. Yeah. And I'm trying to protect that. Yes. And that was, I think, the only argument the mother actually heard. There was a lot of resistance, which we'll talk about that also in this series. Because mm -hmm. she said, well, I could say this, my mom won't like it. I can say this, my mom will discount it. Mm -hmm. I can say this and she'll tell me it's not a real reason. But when we came to the, that discussion about this is to keep your mom in your life, Kim said, I'm establishing a brand new life that I want you to be a part of mom and a way for you to be a part of it is to understand that we have a new structure and we want you highly involved in our lives. I feel and like that's such a great way to start with most difficult conversations is to lay out your goals and like what you actually want, mm -hmm. especially when that goal is more intimacy and like a better relationship. Mm -hmm. Cause who could really argue with that? Like you could not like how, I'm expressing what I need from you or, or even the needs I have from you. But when I'm saying what I want is more intimate relationship with you or to not lose relationship with you, like mm -hmm. ultimately all really good things, mm -hmm. I feel like you would be much more inclined to agree. It clarifies that shame story that the recipient could have, which is you're doing a boundary to leave me out. You're doing a boundary to get me out of your life. What is that in us to attach meaning to things? Because then she attaches meaning, well, you don't love me. Well, it had nothing to do. A key doesn't actually mean that at all. Well. <laughs> but why do we attach meaning to things like that? People have largely misunderstood this area. 
Boundaries are actually super helpful in relationships. You don't have to have a lot of them, but you need to have them when you need them. And you need to be able to manage them in a way that promotes productive relationships. So for those relationships like mom, having a boundary is really helpful, especially she was establishing her new life. And her husband had expressed to her that he didn't like the idea of her coming over anytime she wanted. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get into the fourth myth because it's kind of related here. Our boundaries have to be justified to others. So this one's really interesting to me. Some of us feel we need to explain ourselves. And I understand providing context. But one of the things that happens when we explain ourselves is people then disqualify the boundary over the explanation. So I might say I can't go out with you guys to dinner and I could not explain why. Or I could say, I'm not going to go out to dinner with you guys. I just don't have enough time. Sometimes people around us turn to us and say, you have plenty of time. I saw her binging that show on Netflix. Yeah. (laughs) And they decide that our explanation then disqualifies our boundary. Interesting. I've had students say to their roommates, I have to study. I'm not going out Saturday night. And they'll say, you have all A's. You're coming. And just discount it immediately. And the reality is, if that person feels they need to study, that's it. You've talked before in the past about sometimes it's helpful to be generous. Charitable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, charitable. And I understand how that could backfire because I think people do totally judge our explanation and then disqualify it and then kind of just write you off. So how do you find the balance then with being charitable and instead of just saying like, well, I'm not doing that, Mm -hmm. explaining a little bit for their sake, yeah, but also avoiding that judgment and then being having your boundary disqualified? Well, I think everyone listening knows where they stand on this. So there's a group of you that are over explainers justify everything at great length with paragraphs. (laughs) Meredith's hands just went up. I hate that about myself. (laughs) Then there's others of you that say, I don't know anyone an explanation. And then there's a bunch of us in between. That's me. I'm in between. Great. (laughs) (laughs) I think it depends on the relationship, but I also think it depends on your certainty about the boundary. If you've decided that you're not going out on Saturday night for whatever reason, that's your boundary. It's not up for discussion and it's not going to be disproven in our conversation about my time management or how smart I am at my classes or my social life. We're not going to to end the conversation, have me decide whether it's a boundary or not. And so that kind of goes back to this notion that people need to do the work and decide, is it a boundary or is it not? Because some of us have educated people around us that we can be talked into things. Mm -hmm. That's what I was just going to say. So you have, in, in preparing for this, this is the area that almost actually I realized I've created a myth, myth (laughs) 4.5. Which is boundaries are, for me, how far I can be pushed versus proactive thinking. Mm, That's interesting. It leads into so many things we've talked about, being highly accessible. And that stresses me out. Mm -hmm. That's as far as I can go to be accessible. Until until the point where I don't even have service. Okay, then you can't get a hold of me. Explaining because I feel like I owe someone that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I do it and I hear myself, God, stop. (laughs) Yeah. Are you insecure about the boundary you're setting and maybe looking to have someone either say, oh, okay, yeah, that's a good reason or, oh, come on, you can do it. That's not that important. Like, are you looking for guidance? No, I'm, I feel confident in my decision. It's more like I obsess over not wanting to offend someone else. Mm-hmm. My myth 4.5, which is why do I think that my boundaries have to be my breaking point versus being proactive? 
Like boundaries mm-hmm. don't have to be the point to which Meredith cracks. I think yeah. I can get it together a little bit before then. No, it's a really good point. I think it goes back to that first thing, which is understanding what you need mm-hmm. and communicating that to the right people, not everybody, but the right people who are interfacing with those moments of need. And then the second is to be certain enough about our boundaries that we don't get caught up in. If somebody discounts it, that doesn't take the boundary away. So if I say I'm not coming on Thursday and you say, but you are, you are, come on, I'm still not coming on Thursday. You can say that, but it's Mm -hmm. not happening. Mm -hmm. And just having the comfort to be able to express that. And one of the things we'll talk about next episode is not yelling our boundaries at people. Because something I'm hearing from you, Meredith, is this breaking point. And breaking points are not the place to set a boundary. Mm. The boundaries are set in the moments where we understand the responsibility we have to ourselves and how we want to manage that responsibility. And I think the breaking point's tough because there's people around us that push, 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 push the boundaries Mm -hmm. and it makes us mad. Mm -hmm. And we yell our boundaries at them sometimes. Yeah, I've done that. It's common. And usually it's common among people who think about others care about other people. I think you and I have to educate the people around us about our boundaries. And it starts with us understanding what they are. And then we teach people all the time what's up for discussion, what works for us, and deciding what's right for you, and then being comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. And educating people around you that that's how that goes. And it's not something we're going to debate. Yeah, that's really hard. Mm -hmm. That requires you to take time with yourself Mm -hmm. in areas that can be difficult. Mm -hmm. Yes, it comes down to doing the work. So let's review what we've gone over today. We've identified various myths that we've heard about regarding boundaries, and we prepared a new framework for thinking about boundaries and how to put those in place in our relationships. We've talked about letting go of unvalidated beliefs about boundaries And in doing this, it will pave the way for our next episode called Boundaries 101, which is about how to set boundaries. Well, thank you for being with us today. Please remember to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. And thank you for listening to Asking for a Friend. Let us know what you thought of the episode. Our email is hello at afafpodcast.com. This show is for educational purposes only and is copyrighted. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting. Thanks for listening to Asking for a Friend with Talk Talk.